When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Here he is, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb, and a happy coming new year. You know, really, it's hard to believe that we went through Christmas already, and now here New Year's, and now here's January 2nd already. Yeah, we're wow. already headed in there. Yeah. Wow, we're getting old. <laughs> well, I told you, I had a birthday yesterday, and uh, 74. You're 74. I'm 74. You're catching up to me. I am. Yeah, you are. But I will never catch you. Yeah, I know. That's kind of depressing, too. (laughs) (laughs) So did you have a good Christmas and a good New Year? All six kids, their spouses, 15 grandkids. In your house? Uh, Yes. And where are you living now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily, some of of them went home for the night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it was how many uh, bathrooms have you got well it <laughs> not <worked>. enough <laughs> yeah yeah it, it worked but okay. anyway we had a great time oh wonderful so you know zeb uh we have talked about the different indian tribes somewhat oh yeah and at times uh, originally they figured there was somewhere around 500 different indian tribes across the country I didn't know that. From the east to the west, south, north, and uh, many of them were totally, completely wiped out, and we have no trace of them at this stage. But So I'm going to talk about a tribe called the Kiowas, and you've heard of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, the Kiowas of the Southern Plains, that's where they lived, were actually separated into small bands, and they each went their own way to find buffalo hunting grounds and good grazing for the horses. So they just basically split up. But now, according to custom, the whole tribe of some 2,000 people were gathered in a single great camp under their chief, the principal chief, a guy named Island Man. Island? Island Man. That was the chief. Now, remember him because this story is going to kind of center around him. Okay. Island Man. Okay. So they were getting together because they wanted to talk about things concerning all of these bands that had come together. Uh, they now, wanted, is it Kiowa or Kiowa? Uh, I've always said Kiowa. Me too, but I heard somebody on a Western the other night say Kiowa. I've always heard Kiowa. Yeah, me too. It, no matter who okay. it is. Yeah. If there's anybody out there that is of uh, Kiowa or Kiowa descent, let us let know. Let us know, yeah. yes. So they were going to talk about future military actions against the enemy, uh, the staging of the annual summer dance, uh, which was a religious ceremony. So this is 1833. 
Now, again, I said the Kiowas were kind of a smallish tribe, only about a tenth the size of their powerful neighbors, the Comanches, for instance. They were ten times bigger. But they were full of fighting spirit. They were a a proud nation, the Kiowas Mm -hmm. were. So the Kiowas' traditional range actually was quite big. Did they have offshoots of their tribes like the Apaches did? Uh, not that I know of. I believe they were strictly the Kiowa tribe. Yeah, but they actually included areas of Texas, Kansas, New Mexico, Colorado, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so they had a, a wide domain that they lived in. I see. And so, as I said, they got together right now, about 2,000 of them. And if you looked at this, almost as far as you could see were buffalo hide teepees uh, sprawled along the banks of a place called Rainy Mountain Creek. So... You know, now this happens every year. Okay. So you can imagine what this is like. Reunited friends were, they were talking, visiting. Women were cooking meat in the brass buckets obtained through barter uh, with the Pawnees of the North, who in turn had gotten them from traders. So you can just picture this. These old men sitting around smoking tobacco, talking about the good old days. Wouldn't it be quite similar to the Mountain Man Rendezvous? Sure. Yeah. It would be, because uh, they, same thing, once a year, yeah. got together. Yeah. But a uh, singular personage among these retired warriors was the keeper of a sacred medicine idol called the Tame. Now, this was a sacred item that uh, it was vital to the sun dance ritual. Uh, so it held, held kind of religious importance. T-A-M-E? T-A-I-M-E. Tame. I I I think I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. So anyway, so picture this. Here these old guys. They're kind of past their prime. And, uh, you know, they probably felt a little jealous thinking of the young men that were still young and vibrant heading out to go fight the, you know, the Utes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Uh, in fact, that's what happened at this point. There was a group of fighting age that they rode off one morning to raid against the Utes. Really? So, and they lived kind of in the Northwest up towards the Utah area, you know. So the war party intended to return with scalps and horses and other plunder in time for the Sundance. So while they were gone, the rest of the tribe would remain where they were camped, moving only a few miles in one direction or another in order to have fresh grazing and hunting. Why did the Kiowas, or any tribe for that matter, have animus against another tribe? I mean, what happened that they wanted to kill everybody? Well, I I think it went back and forth. You know, if one tribe went against you, then at some point you're going to go against them. And you just go back and forth among oh, the things tribes. never change. <laughs> things never change. <laughs> so some days after the warriors departed, a group of hunters left Island Man, remember him, Island Man, the yeah, chief, yeah. left his camp to go look for buffalo to the north. They came across the carcass of a buffalo with an arrow sunk deep in the flesh. Now, not an arrow of their own. Uh-oh. But one whose shaft bore the markings of the Osages the Osage tribe, who was another longtime enemy. Okay, things are getting ominous. The plot thickens. It does. So their presence near the Kiowa camp was, it was ominous. The hunters galloped back to war and their principal chief, Island Man. Mm-hmm. So Island Man posted sentries and supervised the building of adobe breastworks for defense. So he kind of 
was preparing in case there was a battle. Well, days passed, no attack came. Finally, the Kiowas began to just relax, breathe a little more easily. And what they had feared to be a hostile tribe was, they figured, probably just some hunters, just some Osage uh, hunters that had been around and somehow uh, shot this uh, arrow and didn't get the, the meat somehow. Anyway, by now, the grass near the camp had been kind of nibbled low by the Kiowa horses, and they were needed to move. So Chief Island Man took counsel with the few leaders who had not gone off with the raiding party and agreed to permit the tribe to split into several groups. Okay, here was a mistake. Uh-oh. The buffalo hunters uh, uh, off again on their own. Another group headed for a—so uh, they split off. Okay, another group headed uh, for a place where they knew there were wild horses. Okay. So now they're down to not a lot of people. In the camp. Yeah. Okay. Island Man himself uh, actually took another group of people comprising mainly of old men and women, young mothers and children. Okay. We're split off, Zeb. We're uh, kind of low in numbers. So who stayed in the camp to protect the camp? Well, that's the problem. Uh. You're going to see. So late in the afternoon of the day that Island Man pitched his new camp, there were some young girls that went to a creek for some water. And as they were kind of dipping their hands down into the water to drink, they looked up and they saw, to their horror, not only her own reflection in the water, but the image of a strange warrior. Uh-oh. Okay. So the girls tried to act nonchalantly. They kind of quietly went back to camp they told Island Man uh, and the other old men, well, they just dismissed it as just a prank, that the girls were just joking around. They just ignored it. Okay? Mm, not good. Not good. Early the next morning, a young man left the camp to lead his family's horses to pasture. Something moved behind a rock. His eyes followed the movement into the gloom. He was amazed to see the shaved head of an Osage warrior he ran back, screaming and yelling to wake up the people. This is early in the morning. Yeah. So kind of like you, you sleep late. So. I do. Yeah. Well, stumbling half dressed from the teepees, Island Man's people found their camp already swarming with Osage warriors. Oh boy! Uh, it was too late. Uh-oh. And so Island Man, he's yelling to the rocks, to the rocks. In other words, get, go hide in the rocks. Uh, and he himself ran in that direction. Well, his panic-stricken people tried to follow. And I'm not going to go into detail of what happened, but basically it was a shameful defeat. Uh, they didn't have their warriors, uh, no real leadership. No way to fight back. Yeah. So old men and, and women and children. Us. Yeah. And so anyway, Island Man escaped with just a minor wound. Mm. Not good. Well, The Osages left, but they took two captive children with them, which was not uncommon to do to take, you know, hostages back. But they literally killed everybody else. Oh, my bad deal. Oh, Uh, there was there was a few. There were some survivors. Okay. Okay. Well, the Kiowa fighting men came back from the land of the Utes, expecting to have this joyous reunion. Oh, boy. Instead, they found a scene of, you know, terrible carnage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the surviving women were mourning the dead. Uh, you know, every man just had this grim thought that, number one, what, why did this happen? And number two, Island Man, the chief, 
was not worthy of being their principal chief, and this was an issue that had to be taken care of. So they basically looked at their chief like he ran cowardly and hid in the rocks, right? Exactly. Well, and he, he didn't keep uh, scouts. He didn't keep warriors. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Uh, okay. He didn't prepare. Yeah. Basically. So anyway, so this had to be taken care of in a council. So they had a camp crier that went around, uh, and every man who had any claim to importance in the tribe, an orator, a warrior, a hunter, or a healer, they came together around a fire. They smoked a ceremonial pipe in silence and prepared to discuss the consequent necessity of choosing a successor. So they were going to choose a successor for Island Man. I see. Okay. So one of the older men, uh, respected by, uh, for all, because of his wisdom, he's the guy that got up and spoke first. Okay. And that was kind of the high, hierarchy, you know, yeah. uh, of, uh, respecting the, the elders. Sure. So anyway, Island Man, he said, had failed utterly in his responsibility to the tribe. Not only had he exercised poor judgment in permitting the reduced camp at Rainy Mountain Creek to break up into smaller groups, not only had he neglected to take the minimal precaution of posting sentries when Osages were about, but he had even failed to make a stand and inspire others by his personal example. He took off. He ran. He ran. It had been his duty to place the welfare of his tribe above all else, including his own life, but he had fled in terror before the enemy. So this having been said and unanimously agreed to the council members that Island, the, the name Island Man would be spoken no more. Uh, no would anybody ever listen to his voice again. Now, this is a guy that was pretty high up. Remember, yeah. he had worked his way up. Yeah. So there would be no formal punishment for him. He would simply slip into obscurity and become an ordinary tribesman, a man who had for all time forfeited his influence and following. For more important now than Island Man was the question of a replacement. Kind of like Theta. slips into obscurity. Obscurity. Yeah. So members of the council who wished to take make a statement uh, rose to do so in an order. So they were really politically inclined. They were very much. Uh, they had a system. Yeah. Okay. So according to their years and the experience, the older ones, according to the experience, were the first ones to stand and speak. Okay. okay. So there was no uh, rigidly prescribed sequence, but always the older men spoke first. And then the men of middle years, even a young warrior might, after his elders had spoken, ask, and receive permission to express his views if he had done some bold deed, if he was indeed a good warrior. So each man was heard with the utmost courtesy for as long as he wanted to speak, and each viewpoint was solemnly considered, uh, for the art of persuasion was the essence of such meetings, and a man was entitled to his chance to persuade. I like this, Zeb. No orator was interrupted and no council member was permitted to leave the session until a consensus declared it recess. That's they were going to stay there until this was resolved. That's better than our House of Representatives. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of good things, yeah, I thought, really? with this. Well, um, the Kiowa Council dwelt at length on the requirements for the office of principal chief and on the qualities desired in the man named to fulfill it. To begin with, he must have a record of outstanding accomplishments in war, 
Although in his new role, he would not himself be a tactical leader. He would be expected to set an example of courage if circumstance brought war to his people, as it had to Island Man. He must possess a compelling personality that would draw others to him and inspire their loyalty and respect. Indeed, respect was his sole source of power, and to be truly effective, he must be a man of great wealth, the owner of many horses obtained by leading raids. Moreover, he must have demonstrated his generosity by giving feasts and providing food, horses, and buffalo hides to those who were less fortunate. He had to be a generous guy. Just an all-round excellent person. Sounds basically, if you will, the same way as what we should be looking at in a president. In in a leader. Yeah. So finally, he must be energetic, energetic. Receptive to the opinions of others. I thought that was interesting. Uh, deliberate in reaching judgments and gifted with an eloquent tongue. These traits would be indispensable in carrying out his primary duties, such as suggesting the division of hunting assignments when the tribe separated again, acting as spokesman in meetings with other tribes. He was going to be their guy to go talk to other tribes. Yeah. Uh, uh, mediating factional and personal disputes within the tribe and at all times, encouraging the unity of his people. Gee whiz. You know, isn't that amazing? Yeah. That they had this culture after, you know, how many, how many years? But let me ask you this. How do you know? And I, I know we're only got five minutes left. But how do you know all this is really basically true when they didn't write anything down? Their, their system was word of mouth. Passed down from generation to generation. They repeated stories over and over and over to their young people to the young so that that would be passed down. So I, I put a lot of credibility into this. So, so anyway, as speaker after speaker expressed their point of view, more and more council members were swayed into accepting the man who appeared to be the popular preference. It was the basis of tribal decision-making that agreement in all matters of importance had to be unanimous or nearly so. Almost everyone had to agree. So after much slow, reflective talk, the choice of the council fell upon a man named Little Mountain. Little Mountain. Little Mountain. He was selected not by vote, but by the weight of opinion, as expressed in the speaking. It was agreed that Little Mountain had all the requisite qualities in abundance. He was acclaimed as the first voice of the tribe. It turned out that he would retain this role for 33 years. Now, why did they come up with 33 years? I, because no one would re, could replace him in his integrity, oh, wow. uh, his, because he was a good leader. Yeah. So I guess it was like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So anyway, the Kiowa organization of which Little Mountain had become principal chief was formal but flexible. The tribe was made up of six divisions or sub-tribes. Each sub-tribe was led by a chief who was a natural leader by virtue, virtue of accomplishments and qualities that were similar to those of Little Mountain. So, in other words, the sub-tribes chiefs kind of thought the same way as Little Mountain, I basically. See. Okay. So, some of these tribes had, uh, sub-tribes had grown too big to live together year-round, and they divided into two or more bands to hunt their own meat, uh, to gather their own wild prairie turnips and plums, collect their own firewood, seek their own pastures. Every band had its own leader, who usually arrived at his position by being the head of the wealthiest family in the group, like Little Mountain. 
both the sub-tribe chiefs and the band chiefs dealt with the day-to-day peacetime life of their tribe. Their duties were to keep order, supervise camp activities, determine the band's movements, negotiate with traders when the opportunity came up without fail, consult with others, uh, other influential men, men in making decisions. So it wasn't a dictatorship. Yeah. Anytime there was a decision to make decision, they would meet together and counsel together. I'm amazed. Uh, so I really am amazed. Yeah. And we're out of time. I know. Yeah. And I got to ask one more question. Okay. What happened to Island Man? He remained in obscurity and lived a very quiet life somewhere. Was he able to live with the tribe or yeah. was he banished? No, he stayed with them, but uh, I see. he just was no longer respected. Nobody would you know, respect anything he said. Kind of like Biden. So <laughs> we are going to continue the uh, about Little Mountain and the Kiowas. Uh, if you, if that's, I'm, I'm looking think? forward to that next week because I, yeah, you know, we've talked about different tribes, but I've never talked about the Kiowas. So I'd like to. The of, political aspects are amazing. It really is. I mean, what a peaceful way to settle uh, yeah. leadership. Uh, who's you know who's going to be the leader? Listen to the different people. I I, 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 I want to do that next week. I'm looking forward to it. Island Man has been banished, and Little, Little Mountain, Mountain is coming is, into power. He is the man. Oh, he's the man. He is. Okay. <laughs>